22 and 23, primarily looking at verses 8 through 20 in chapter 22. Let's pray before we dive into God's Word. Father, we are thankful that we can gather this day as Your people. Father, we just confessed in song who is like you there is none like you our king of heaven and so as we have sung together and we open up your word may you knit our hearts together in the gospel continue to shape us in the good news by your word so that we grow in Christ, all for your glory and for our good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you have a copy of God's Word, 2 Kings 22, 2 Kings 22, we'll read this morning verses 8 to 20. 2 Kings 22, verses 8 to 20. It says, And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shapham the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the high priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the priest, and Akim, the son of Shaphan, and Akbor, the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan, the secretary, and Nesiah, the king's servant, saying, Go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So Hilkiah the priest, and Iakim, and Akbor, and Shaphan, and Asiah went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shilom, the son of Tikva, son of Harvas, Horus, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they talked with her. And she said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants. All the words of the book that the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and have made offerings to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will be kindled against this place, and it will not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent, and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, 
that they should become a desolation and a curse. And you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring upon this place. And they brought back word to the king. This is God's word. So if you were to title this sermon this morning, uh, you, could, you could call it Reform by the Word. This is what we see in the life, in this account of King Josiah. So this week and, and next week, we're going to be tracing themes from the Reformation that are clearly found in Scripture. Specifically this week, we're thinking heavily upon Scripture alone. But we will reflect on the five solas or the principles of what came out of the Reformation. That we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, according to God's word alone, and for God's glory alone. When we speak about the Reformation, we are saying the Protestant Reformation that occurred in the 1500s. We understand that It did not come out of thin air. There was a long line before Luther that led to it. It can be traced back to the early church in Augustine. And so when we think through the Reformation and reforming of churches, denominations, and convictions, it it shows us that somewhere someone believes something about the Bible. Now, there are definitely heretical movements and beliefs that are contrary to a biblical understanding of who God is and what the church is to be. We can think of Mormonism, in which that movement tries to be associated with Christianity, but for example, uh, they would not affirm the Trinity. But the Reformation and reform was getting back to the foundation of the Gospel and what Christ has done for His people. We are saved by God's grace alone through Christ. Christ has paid the penalty for our sin and death. And we are redeemed if we come to Him in faith. So here at North Hills, we are Baptists that that follow in line with the particular Baptist tradition coming out of the Reformation. And we affirm that those who have been converted should be baptized. But we can learn We can learn from faithful men that have come uh, before us like Augustine, Luther, Calvin, and Spurgeon, many others. But our banner, the, the flag we wave, is not Calvin. It is not our elders or leadership here. Our flag, the banner that we wave, is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We want to see the gospel go forth to the nations. We believe in a sovereign God that holds us fast so that we can rest well in Him. This is our desire here at North Hills. We regularly uh, pick a book of the Bible and go through uh, it, it systematically verse by verse, expositing the text. But this week and next week, I I would call this thematic preaching. We see these as themes in Scripture. 
and we are preaching the text, but we're not, we're not taking our ideas and forcing them on the text, but rather we see, these them, we see these themes in Scripture and we are gathering them from the text. So this morning, we are in a very crucial and important passage within First and Second Kings. We're looking at the account of King Josiah and his reliance upon the Word of God. One commentator notes that Josiah is the pinnacle of the history of the kings. And after Josiah's death, Judah continued to be led by wicked rulers and then was forced into exile. They, they got what was promised, which was judgment. So 1 Kings begins with the reign of David. It continues on with the reign of Solomon and then covers the reign of Rehoboam. And under King Rehoboam, the kingdom divides. The, the northern kingdom is considered Israel and the, the southern kingdom is called Judah. As a quick overview of the rest of First uh, and Second Kings, there was no good king in the north. There was no good king in the north. But in Second Kings 10, verse 28 and verse 31, Jehu did wipe out Baal from Israel, but Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the, the God of Israel with all his heart. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. And so if you walk through First and Second Kings, a helpful way to see if they were a good king or a sinful king is to see if they turned away from the sins of their father. But Jehu is, is not considered a good king for Israel. And so Israel, the, the, the northern kingdom, had no good king. But Judah, the southern kingdom, was considered to have eight good kings. And the last good king from the southern kingdom before their exile is King Josiah. And so this account of Josiah should encourage believers to reform. But we are not Josiah. We are not Josiah. Yet, we can learn from this account to hold fast to Scripture and let the Word of God do its work. Reform is needed. We need clarity regarding the Gospel. And God worked through Josiah by His Word to reform. God is working in the hearts of men and women by His Word to reform. And so this morning, our primary text is chapter uh, 22, verses 8 to 12. But Josiah's account is 2 Kings 22 and 23. And so as we look at this account, we have uh, two points this morning. I thought I was going to pull a John McCartney and try to get the, get the points to kind of align and, and, and uh, go. You'll, you'll see where I'm going with this, y'all. You'll, you'll figure it out. So the word needed. The word needed is the first point. The word needed. And that's uh, verses, uh, or chapter 22, verses 8 to 20. The word needed. And the second point is the word heeded. See, you see I pulled a John McCartney there. The word needed. And then the word heeded. And we'll see that all throughout chapter 23. 
in Josiah's reforms. So point number one this morning, the word needed, looking uh, at uh, chapter 22. In this, in this account, this account of 2 Kings 22, Josiah's reign begins when he was eight years old. At age 18, the, the temple is being repaired. And then in verse 8, Hilkiah, the high priest, finds the law. And Shaphan goes and reads it before Josiah in verse 10. So what happened in Judah? The word had been lost. This is an indictment on Judah that they did not have the word. It would have, it would have no need to be found if the word was kept. But it was abandoned in Judah. When the word of God is no longer viewed as sufficient for the people, it will be traded for gimmicks and toys. When the word of God is no longer sufficient for the people, people will think they are sufficient in and of themselves. When the word of God is no longer viewed as sufficient, then the people will turn to different worldviews and fail to grasp the world around them. The people of God hear the word of God. It is sufficient for us. We do not look to social media or news outlets to tell us how to know God and live for His glory in this world. We look to the word. And God's word is set because He is seated. His words do not change because He does not change. Judah abandoned the word of the Lord and had to find the law. But the church, the church is brought forth by the word preached. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. So the people of God know God by His Word. We are to keep the Word. Yet how often throughout church history have people claimed to be Christians and there to be movements of God and yet the Word is minimized. And I'm not saying that the Bible is to be worshipped as some may make charges against us when they deny its sufficiency. The Bible tells us of our triune God who is to be worshipped. These are His words. And so reform happened in Judah because God used Josiah by His word. The Reformation happened because men like Luther read the word and were convinced by the word. Not by popes or councils, but by the word. In April 1521, Martin Luther stood on trial, condemned as a heretic by the Roman Catholic Church. They told him to recant of his teachings, that one is made right with God by faith alone in Christ alone. Luther's last statement at this trial shows his reliance upon the Word of God. He said, Unless I am convinced by Scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes 
and counsels, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. Following our triune God in this life is costly. In a world that hates the king of all, they will hate his people. So maybe not be a people of convenience, but of conviction. May our confidence and conviction be placed in the word of God. We know the culture around us may change. It will change around us. But God's word, God's word does not change. Scripture alone is sufficient to testify to the needs of our heart. It testifies of the good news. It speaks of faithful men and women before us. Scripture is without error. It's infallible. It is sufficient for the people of God. But others may say that we need to add on to the Word. Or some may say that one has to be sophisticated to understand and know the Word. And others may say that there is ongoing revelation from God that can contradict the Word and newer revelation is more important than old. Although these claims are put forth by our culture, God's Word is tested and true. There are almost 6,000 New Testament manuscripts. The Word is true. And God has spoken in His Word. He is not a God of confusion, as 1 Corinthians 14.33 says. And so the claims of Mormonism, in which God spoke to Joseph Smith in isolation, and his single testimony contradicts the very revelation of God that was laid down from Genesis to Revelation. We also see those who uh, say they speak on behalf of the Lord, like popes and others, that, that say contradicting statements to the Word of God. These are lies from Satan. It is Satan speaking to Adam and Eve again. Did God really say this? Satan has not changed in his goal. He continues to be crafty. He wants there to be doubt upon God's word. But 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Beloved, we have the word of God. We have the word of our living God translated into our own language. What a blessed thing it is to have the word of God. What a gift it is when we gather on Sunday mornings to hear pages in the Bible turn. That is grace. 
It's grace. We live in a generation where many people have access to God's Word. Yet, do we know the Scriptures? Have we taken it? Have we taken God's Word for granted? Men and women died just to translate the Bible into English. Two prominent men who come to mind are William Tyndall and John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe lived around 200 years before Luther, helped translate the Bible into English, but he argued that the Word of God is central to Christianity and denied the papacy. So you know he was loved by Rome. But he was not burned at the stake. Wycliffe was hated so much after his death that he was declared a heretic. His bones were brought forth from the ground. His bones were burned and his ashes were thrown into the river. This is how much This is how much some people wanted to keep the word of God from the people of God. Trying to inflict fear upon the people. This is the false teaching of Rome. That they confess it is the church that has made the word of God. But it is the word of God that has made the people of God. The church. And so the next time we hear pages turn, we should reflect that this is God's grace to us. We're able to read God's Word in our language. And the Word by the Spirit, the Word by the Spirit makes the church. And so as we look in this text this morning, we see Josiah hearing the Word in verse 11. Josiah hears the Word. And at the hearing of God's word, Josiah's response is tearing his robe. In verse 11, and then he weeps. He weeps in verse 19. So Josiah, unlike those before him, was concerned with what God said. He commanded Hilkiah to go and inquire the Lord, and he heard the word of God. Josiah knew that the wrath, of, uh, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the sin of Judah. By reading, by hearing the word, he knew there would be judgment. But Josiah is drastically different from the kings and family members that have come before him. They did not even desire to pursue the Lord. But Josiah listens to the word. His response is, is not to sugarcoat it or to pass blame or to continue to abound in sin. He recognizes that he has sinned against the Lord and his fathers, the kings that came before him, have sinned as well. So Josiah, unlike those before him, takes responsibility of his sin. He says that the wrath of the Lord is kindled against us Because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Josiah, the king of Judah, says us. He sees the sin 
that everyone in Judah has committed against the Lord by not hearing and obeying the word of the Lord. And then the Lord responds to Josiah in verses 15 and 20 of chapter 22. In summary, the Lord says that Judah will face the Lord's wrath, but the king of Judah, who inquired of the Lord, because of his repentance and humility before the Lord, he shall be gathered to his grave in peace. He, his eyes uh, will not see, his eyes will not see the eyes of disaster. And so the Lord shows Josiah grace. Josiah will die, but he will be with the Lord. But before Josiah dies, he's going to seek reform. Even knowing the judgment that was going to happen to Judah, Josiah didn't kick his feet up in his lazy boy just to chill out, to peace out. But no, he took his hammer to the false idols all throughout the land. And so the word that was needed, the word that was needed became the word that was heard and the word that was heeded. And so our second point, as we look at this account of King Josiah through these, through these chapters, the word heeded. The word heeded. In, in chapter 23, we see Josiah's reforms. And so at the beginning of chapter 23, in the, in the first three verses, Josiah makes a covenant with the Lord. And in the latter part of verse 2, of chapter 23, we see that reform happens by the word. It says, And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. So the Lord, he, he promises by his word. He reforms by his word. Christians trying to reform without the word is Silliness. It is silly. It's like using Axe body spray to cover up a skunk smell. It may look promising in the first little bit, but come back in five minutes. It's not going to work. So we are to be a people, though, rooted and founded upon the Word of God. If we're not firmly rooted in the Word Reform will not last. We as Christians, we love the Word because it is by the Word we have heard the Gospel. By hearing the Gospel and the Spirit working upon the hearts and changing the hearts of men and women, we behold God. And so reformation happens in the life of an individual and in the church by the Word. So how do we continue to reform we keep preaching the word we continue to remind ourselves of what christ has done the more we hear the gospel it does not turn to vinegar it continues to be honey to us and as we continue to preach the word we support missionaries. We plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. And churches that plant churches will have disciples who make disciples. Reforming is all about the Great Commission. We want people to come to Christ. 
And so as Josiah begins to reform, he makes a covenant with the Lord. And after he makes a covenant, he begins to destroy the false gods of Baal, Asherah, and others in verse 4. One may ask, how do you know, or how did Josiah know that those were false gods? Only false gods can be destroyed. The triune God of heaven cannot be destroyed. He made heaven and earth. He, he laid the earth upon the seas like a blanket. He cannot be destroyed. And he demands worship from his creation. These false gods didn't even make themselves. And so as Josiah seeks to reform Judah, he removed people who burned incense to Baal in verse 5. He removed those who looked to the stars as their God in verse 5. And he burned the Asherah and smashed it to pieces. But as we think about this Asherah, this, this false goddess, this, this Asherah was one of the statues, the statues that Josiah's grandfather put up. But Josiah tore it down. He crushed it and burned it. And many of us have struggled with some of the idols our families have clung to growing up. These idols many times distract us from our triune God. So may we tear down false images and false gods that seek to hold us captive. False idols and traditions will fall sooner or later. We're to hold fast to Christ for the sake of the church, our families, and our souls. False gods and, and idols bring a burden without relief. But the God of the Bible brings delight to His people. He breaks no promises. Jesus says in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, He says, Come to Me, all who, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This morning, if you are trusting in yourself, your good deeds, those are like filthy rags. Come to Christ. He is the only one who can give refuge to your weary soul. Turn from your sin and trust in Him what He has done on your behalf. Christ being truly God and truly man took on flesh, lived a perfect life in our place, died upon the cross and rose from the grave so that those who come to Him in faith will not perish but have everlasting life with Him. Those who do not trust in Him, who have not come in faith, will face His eternal just judgment in hell. But come to Him. Come to Him. You who are heavy laden. 
burdened by the things of this world. He will give you rest. It is by Him that we have hope in this life and the life to come. As we continue to think through this account of Josiah, particularly in chapter 23, he's, he's continuing to reform. He removed houses of prostitutes in verse 7. He removed altars of those who were doing child, child sacrifice in verse 10. He removed horses that were dedicated to the sun in verse 11. He removed shrines in verse 19. And he restored the Passover in verse 21. Something that was not done before him. And he removed mediums in verse 24. And if you remember and, and reflect upon this, Josiah is the opposite of King Saul. King Saul went to seek a medium in 1 Samuel 28. But Josiah, he removes mediums. So as we, see, as we look through uh, chapter 23, we see uh, his reform and what, what he's done in Judah. And so as we reflect upon his life, this account, Josiah listened where those before him failed. Compare him to previous kings or even the good kings of Judah. Josiah brought about reform. And then verse 25 of chapter 23 is a call back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It says, Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. So the Lord uses Josiah to reform and shows grace to, jo to Josiah in his death. By the grace of God, Josiah died in battle. God spared him from seeing the downfall and the judgment of, du of, of Judah. It is God's grace that sustains and it's God's grace that keeps. Josiah dies in battle and, and by God's grace, he does not see the ruin and judgment of Judah. So we may not see complete reform in this life. But it does not mean we should not strive for it. We, we work hard. But it is not our kingdom that we are building. Josiah saw reform among Judah. And he was spared in his death. But he didn't see Judah continue on after him to abound in their sinful desires. Their sinful passions. So is, is reform worth it? Is, is reform worth it? Read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Is reform worth it? David Platt, in a sermon a few years ago, recalls a, an account of Roland's White. He was a fisherman who could not read Roland's son 
read the Bible to him and to the whole family in the evening, which had just been recently translated into English. And so Rollins White came to believe that salvation was by, by the grace of God, by faith alone in Christ alone. And when this profession became known, Rollins White was condemned to death. And when he was brought to the stake, the Catholic priest stood up and began to speak about the sacraments. He particularly focused on the view of transubstantiation, which holds that the Lord's Supper is literally the body and blood of Christ, and thus Christ, according to Rome's doctrine, is continually being sacrificed over and over again by the priest in their Mass. And so this priest is teaching on transubstantiation, and Rollins White cries out, You wicked hypocrite! Do you presume to prove your false doctrine by Scripture? Look at the text. Did Christ not say, Do this in remembrance of me? And immediately they lit the flames, and Rollins White fell to his feet. Beloved, our peace with God does not come by Rome. It does not come by D.C. It comes by Calvary's cross. Those who have come to Christ by faith have peace with God and will find eternal rest. But those who seek to find rest or peace in other things will find no rest at all. So is reform worth it? Yes, it is. Will we strive to be faithful to God's Word? We need the Word. We know God by His Word. So may we model Josiah's account and be thankful for the Scriptures. May we not take them for granted. By doing so, the the people of God will heed the very words of the living God. We take what the Scriptures say seriously. And so may we continue to seek to reform our lives to God's Word by the help of the Spirit. Reform is worth it, even if we do not see the fruits in this life. Even, even if it costs us our lives, reform is worth it. Being faithful to the Lord to reform is worth it. We labor well and rest in the Lord. We are not building our kingdom. He is building His. So beloved, we only get one life and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, this morning may we rest in You and Your sufficient Word. Father, we are unworthy. And yet, You show us grace. You show us grace. 
and what Christ has done on our behalf. And so may we rejoice this morning. May we sing as people who have been redeemed. The shackles of slavery to sin have been removed. For those who have come to Christ. Father, your son does not bring burdens. It's delight. But false gods, false idols of this world, they bring a heavy weight with no relief. So if there is anyone this morning that is not trusting, that's not resting in Christ, may you convict them. May you work in their hearts. May they behold Christ as King. And Father, this morning, for those who have come to faith in Christ, who are resting in Him as Lord and Savior, renew us in the gospel. And as we sing, may we rejoice. All for your glory and for our good. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.